Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to The Josh Smith Show. The Josh Smith Show is brought to you by Paragon Kilns. Paragon Kilns are some of the fastest heating and most accurate kilns in the world today. Uh, I, in my own custom knife-making business, and so many knife-makers that I know, use a Paragon Kiln uh, just to increase the accuracy and the consistency of which their knives are heat-treated. Check out the Paragon Kilns at paragonweb.com. Also brought to you by Montana Knife Company. Montana Knife Company knives are working knives for working people. All Montana Knife Company knives are 100% American-made, hand-finished, and hand-sharpened. We here at Montana Knife Company believe that manufacturing can be done here in the U.S., and that's where our knives are built. Check out MontanaKnifeCompany.com, and we are also on Instagram at Montana Knife Company as well as Facebook. Also brought to you by Maritime Knife Supply. Maritime Knife Supply is a place I buy my belts, uh, buy a lot of my sandpaper. They also sell steel, grinders, heat treat ovens, just about anything else you can imagine. Maritime Knife Supply is located in Canada, so even though it takes a little bit longer to ship your stuff down here, you can take advantage of the exchange rate, uh, which is actually a pretty good deal when you're putting in a fairly big order. Check out MaritimeKnifeSupply.com and at MaritimeKnifeSupply on Instagram and Facebook. Let's get to the show. Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Josh Smith Show. This week I have a special guest, uh, Senator Steve Daines. He's our uh, one of our two representatives from Montana serving in the United States Senate. Uh, I was fortunate enough to meet Senator Daines last fall during the campaign uh, when I got invited by Donald Trump Jr. to come hang out uh, before one of his rallies here in Montana, uh, up north of here a couple hours. So it was it kind of all happened that morning. Um, Jr. messaged me, invited me up there. So my wife and I jumped in the car, ran up there, took some knives, hung out with, uh, with uh, Trump Jr. and Cameron Haynes. Uh, uh, Ted Nugent, and then Gianforte, our, our governor here, our now governor, he was running for governor then, was there, um, along with some of the other, uh, Matt Rosendale and some of the other people running for, for office. And, you know, that experience was actually quite interesting, and it was not what you'd think. I, I thought it was going to be just like a, maybe like a VIP line where they just went through and shook hands or something. But in the end, I figured out it was really just us, like, Trump just invited us and we, we just kind of hung out. It was super low key, uh, shared, showed him some knives. And honestly, it was just like friends hanging out kind of backstage at an event. No, no real, uh, no real hubbub, super simple. It was at the fairgrounds in Kalispell. And when I went, when I met Senator Danes and his wife, Cindy, uh, my wife and I just really hit it off with them. We talked to them for quite a while. And then they did their whole, uh, campaign thing, uh, the rally. And then that evening, uh, we, we continued to just kind of hang out and talk. Uh, you know, Trump took off, they, they had to take off for their next event, but Senator Danes and Cindy literally hung out with Jess and I until everyone was gone, including the staff at the fairgrounds. Like we were just talking like friends talking about hunting stories. Um, my wife was talking about teaching stuff with, with, uh, 
Steve's wife, Cindy, and, and about their daughter. And it was honestly just like normal. They were just regular Montanans. And it was really refreshing to see that with all the bullshit going on in the, in the politics today and, you know, I don't care what jersey you wear. Mostly, I think it's a broken system at this point. But it is refreshing to see that there's really just good American people there. And from the hunting side and, and weapons and making knives and, and uh, whether you're into guns, uh, the outdoors, all that stuff, it's also really nice to see when your representatives aren't just full of shit on a commercial on TV, but they actually do get out in the field. And that's exactly uh, what Senator Danes does. And I knew he was real when we were talking about, you know, different trails and different areas of hunting up kind of around where I grew up in, a, in the middle of freaking nowhere. And he was talking about specific trails he had been on, where he had been, um, and then was showing me pictures, uh, like the bear, like the bear charging. He actually showed me pictures and video of that. Um, you know, he's a long range rifle shooter. Uh, he he really does live it and breathe it. And and quite frankly, I, that's what I'm most concerned about these days is my freedom uh, and my ability to hunt and fish. And, and, and more importantly than, than mine, uh, preserving that for my kids and, and, you know, our future generations. So, uh, you know, you get into the healthcare and abortion and the, the wars and all that stuff. I don't know. And quite frankly, half of it, I'm, I I try to stay educated, but I also tune out a lot because, uh, I don't, I just don't think it's healthy. I try to control what I can control. I'm trying to build a business and raise a family. Um, but this was a unique situation, uh, and um, I, I really do have a lot of respect and, and feel much more comfortable about our representatives here in Montana after meeting them. So, uh, Steve, it was super cool. I mean, I, I just texted him, and I was like, hey, give me a shout when you got a chance. Uh, he called me a, a couple hours later, and he's like, what's up? And I was like, hey, I got this podcast. Do you want to do it? And he's like, absolutely, let's do it. So uh, we set it up when you had a little bit more time about a week later and uh, now you get to listen. I honestly avoided, I, I don't, I don't think people really want to hear a bunch of the bullshit politics that we see everybody fighting about on TV. So really, honestly, I kept this to outdoors and hunting and, and, you know, growing up in Montana and, and that kind of stuff. So um, if you want politics, you can turn on Fox or CNN or whatever the hell you watch. So, uh, I am not, this is not a political episode. So hopefully, especially those of you that live in Montana can get a, a sense of, of what Steve's really like. So I appreciate it. Take a listen and uh, send me a message. Let me know what you think. Senator Danes, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing well, Josh. Good to join you. Yeah, thanks for jumping on here with me. I really appreciate it. Are you uh, are you out in Washington or are you back home in Montana? Well, I wish I was back home, but I'm in uh, in D.C. It's uh, that hot and humid time of year, but uh, I'm literally sitting here at my uh, my Senate desk back in Washington. Okay, well, cool. No, it's super cool to, 
that you jumped on and it was it was awesome my for people that are listening a little background i i met uh mr danes last year and his beautiful wife cindy uh in Kalispell uh, during the kind of the Trump campaign time frame. And uh, my wife, Jessica, and I had just a, an awesome time chatting with you guys. It was, it was cool because, you know, we see, you know, all you guys on TV all the time and kind of all the hubbub of everything going on, whatever the crisis of the moment is, you know. And it's easy for people to kind of tend to think that you guys aren't human sometimes, you know. And uh, it's always about the issues and whatnot. But what was really cool about you guys I mean, you were really in the heat of it. I mean, I think we were less than a week out from election day, maybe three or four days at that point, and you guys were running ragged. And, um, man, you guys just, you know, you and Cindy just stood there and talked to Jess and I until literally everyone was gone. <laughs> you know, you we, we left in the parking <laughs> lot together, no security, no staff, just... And I told Jess driving home, I said, that they actually feel like Montana people which was really refreshing, Aww. you know, and, and yeah. I think it's hard to probably get that across during all the campaigns is that, you know, who's real, who's not. And, um, and anyone that I know that knows you just know that you guys are just true Montana people, which is really cool. Well, I, I felt the same way about you and Jessica, Josh, that was quite a night. It was Halloween. I remember we were at the, uh, the fairgrounds there in the flathead. I remember it was Ted Nugent was there and Donald Trump Jr. It was this great big rally. Yep. Uh, we, there's great music playing. Cindy and I uh, spent a little time uh, doing the two-step there, some great country songs. And it was just was a, it was one of those great magical nights, full moon. But uh, we just really appreciated spending time with you guys and uh, hearing your story and what you're doing. Uh, and, you know, I, I think people, when they, when they see you, oftentimes, um, if you're doing a TV interview on Fox or whatever, you know, you've got a suit and tie on, but I'm a lot more comfortable with my hunting jacket on and my rifle on my shoulder. Uh, in fact, uh, you know, it's, it's our passions. We are, we're avid backpackers. We love to fish. We love to hunt. I've got my sweet wife, Cindy, now hunting with me. Uh, we raised our kids doing that. It's just our way of life as Montanans. It started when I was a little kid growing up in Bozeman and my grandpa that taught me to fish and hunt as well as my dad. So that's kind of who we are. Well, that's, and that's kind of what I wanted to cover in this, uh, quite, quite frankly, you and I didn't really talk much about what we were going to talk about here, but, um, you know, I, I think most of us get tired of so much of the stuff going on on the news and the politics of the day and the, the whose team are you on and all that stuff. And I, I wanted to talk to you really more about kind of what I'm, what I do every day and what, and what Montanans in general, a lot of times, and people really around the country do so often on their weekends and whatnot is, is really more about the outdoors and, and hunting and fishing. And that's one thing that became clear to me when, when we were talking, you know, it's one thing for a politician to say, Oh, I support guns or hunting or hunting rights or whatever. But I mean, I knew you were real when we were talking and you, you were, you were t talking about specific trails in Ovando that you've hunted or, you know, in the Bob Marshall that you've taken. And I mean, it, it's not, it's not the kind of stuff that if, if, uh, if you hadn't done it, you wouldn't know it, you know, and, um, talk about <laughs> you know, that it, a little, it, like, did, did you start hunting yeah. as a kid? Um, I did. Yeah. You know, my, my, my earliest memories, uh, and, and Josh, this kind of dates me a little bit. Uh, this would have been back in the early 1970s. My earliest memories are my my dad and I would go to Big Timber and meet my grandpa Danes from Billings, and uh, he had a, a Browning Silaflex fly rod with an automatic reel and a wicker creel, oh, and wow. we'd go up and fish the, the sweetgrass, which comes off the east slope of the Crazies, uh, 
in its day, it was a tremendous brown trout fishery. It, it's had some dewatering challenges over the years, but I'll tell you, uh, my grandpa, I, I only thought there were two flies in the world back then. I mean, today a fly box is as complicated as an Apple phone, I think, in terms of all the different uh, flies that you have. But yeah. back then it was a woolly bugger and a bitch crick. <laughs> yeah. And uh, throw, throw, throw that on and, and, uh, and get out there. Of course, that, that was the old irrigation booth. It wasn't the fancy Sims waders, which I have. I've got a pair. I love them. They're made there in Bozeman. But it was irrigation boots. And, uh, that, and I had a fly rod in my hand at a very young age and have such great memories uh, fishing with my dad and my grandpa there. Uh, and that was, you know, when I was 12, I killed my first antelope there just north of Big Timber. In fact, I remember it distinctly on a Sunday morning. Yeah, uh, I remember killing my first whitetail and mule deer out there too. So th- those were all memories from you know the earliest days when he, when I hunted. And I remember you know they always call it Montana driver's ed. I my grandpa would let me start driving. I was about ten. Yeah, <laughs> that was the way we did it in Montana back then. Yeah, <laughs> no, and that's honestly a lot of my friends and whatnot. That that's kind of one of the the appeals to going out in eastern Montana. And um, I mean, my boy, he he he's just this spring when we were bear hunting, I was letting him just, just here in, in Frenchtown here in Western Montana, where I'm at, um, I was letting him learn how to drive the stick shift in my Jeep just up on the log logging roads, you know? And, uh, yeah. I know a lot of people, that's the fun thing about antelope hunting or mule deer hunting. You get out on those roads, those dirt roads that seem like they go over, you know, the edge of the earth. And, uh, it's a great place for kids to learn how to drive or driving out across those fields and they it can't hurt anything. And it's, it's just a cool I know exactly what you're talking about, and it's really too bad that more of the country in the world, for that matter, can't experience that same stuff, you know. You know, when when, um, when we were raising our kids, and we have four children, two boys and two girls, and they all grew up hunting and fishing, and and uh, I was uh, in the software business back then in Montana, uh, and I, I take a week off from work in the fall during hunting season and, and take one of the kids with me for a full week. Yeah. And Cindy said, uh, she said, you just, you go, just you and the son or you and the daughter, you go, because someday we'll be able to do this together when we're empty nesters. But these are years you'd never want to let go and you want to make sure you have them, make yeah. those memories. And I literally would throw a pillow in the back of the pickup so that my son could see over the steering wheel because, you know, he's not real old, you know, and he was, he was a little short for his age. <laughs> and, and, you know, at the end of the day, they love getting out there and finding an antelope or a mule deer or an elk but they like driving the pickup on some of these, to say some of those back roads as much as anything as well. And that's all part of growing up in Montana. Yeah, no. And it's, it, it's really cool when, you know, I was just in Idaho bear hunting and it's, it's similar in Idaho and, and here in Montana where we're still fortunate to have a lot of public lands. I'm in, you know, our Onyx maps uh, that we have on our phone now, uh, quite honestly, when I was a kid and I was out hunting I don't even know how we did it when we were in high school and how we knew where we were at and quite frankly we probably were trespassing half the time we just thought we weren't you know but it is amazing when you're looking at our at at, a, at an onyx map and you're out in eastern Montana you see the amount of BLM ground or or you know even the private ground that's been put into block management and stuff and um you know we're just so lucky in our state to have places to take our kids hunting still well, it's pretty unique, and you don't realize how special it is till you know. You grow up in Montana and live it. Then, if you ever leave it for a little while, you realize, wow, the rest of the country doesn't operate like we do in Montana. Our stream access laws are also an example of that, where high water mark to high water mark—that's public ground right. in our streams. And and I I uh, 
uh, I agree, you know, Onyx Maps is just something that's a, it's a basic staple now. We all have it on our phones. And yeah. we're using that. We're out in the, in the back country. But, uh, uh, it, it, you know, I, I'm thankful, Josh, we live in a state like Montana where, you know, moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas, aunts and uncles still take the kids to the Walmart or the sporting goods store and buy that deer tag, that elk tag, that fishing license over the counter, uh, even a wolf tag over the counter, which I think surprised me you could buy wolf tags over the counter, which I always buy those every year right. out of my pocket. And within an hour, you're at a, you're on, on a trailhead somewhere you can start to hunt yep. or to fish. And that's yep. really unique. Yeah, I just took my boy out, you know, last week. I, I actually did kind of a little Instagram live where I said it was after school and we were on top of a mountain. And, and that's how fortunate we are to where it's after school. I shut the knife shop down. You know, of course, it's light late here. You know, it's 930 at night now. Mm-hmm. It's still light. But um, we were able within a couple hours to be standing on top of a mountain looking at some elk and some deer. And, and um, you know, I always try to explain to my kids, like, this is not normal. You know, it's normal for us, um, but really in a world population-wise, uh, there's how many people would just die to get to do that one day, and it's just something we run and do after school, you know. It's something we need well, to preserve, okay, that's, something, that's for sure. It, it really is, and you know, if, and, and you know, you're out there chasing, and we call it spring bear season in Montana. I've been doing the same thing, Josh, and you get out, and the beauty of all that is that it's an evening hunt, and, uh, you know, those bears aren't coming out typically till six, seven, eight PM, but it stays light till nine, nine thirty. Yeah. And depending on where you're at in the state, you've got legal light till nine thirty in some places, almost nine forty five right now. And, uh, and so it's just a beautiful time of year to be out. I, I yeah. love this time of year to be up in the mountains. You know, and not a lot of folks are out right now. Not a lot of folks are chasing spring bear, right? but it's become one of my favorite seasons. Yeah. Same here. So speaking of that, when you and I were texting here just a couple of weeks ago or a week ago, mm-hmm. you were getting ready, uh, you were getting ready to actually go on a bear hunt. So how, how did that go? Tell us about it. Yeah. Well, I, my, my wife came along with me and, and uh, spring bear is all about, glassing, spending a lot of time getting a, a good vantage point and just glassing over and over and over again, these same little open pockets area, looking for that green grass. When those bears have come out of hibernation, they're hungry. They're still a little bit sleepy, so they're just not moving on a whole lot except in that kind of magic window from about 6 to 8, 9 p.m. Yeah. And uh, and sure enough, we were glassing and glassing and glassing, Josh, and nothing. He said the discipline, keep going. I kept telling my wife, says, just wait, some moment, you'll just see it's going to pop out. Yeah. And sure enough, it was about 7.45 p.m. I look up, I was glass. It was two miles away, Josh, as the crow flies. Yeah. And I saw a huge uh, boar. I mean, he was big. We, we were in country. It's also grizzly country. And so we had to uh, first identify to make sure it was a, a black bear, not a grizz. Um, and we identified it, it to be a black bear. But by the time we had to get down up a ridge uh, and up, uh, literally up the side of a mountain, I was both out of breath and about out of light. We got there in time for a legal shot. I had about 30 minutes of light left, but it was, uh, he'd move. You know, those things are, those, those big boars like that, the reason they're big, cause they're pretty cagey. Yeah. You know, I can be out there standing there. So, but it was, it was sure exciting. So we didn't, didn't get to take a shot. But I had my 300 wind mag with me with a 215 grain burger bullet that I love to shoot. And you, that thing can reach pretty far, but, uh, uh, didn't come home with anything that night. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Yeah. We, uh, I had told you I was I was heading to Idaho as well, and um, Glenn Eberly, who owns Eberly Stock, it was kind of cool. He he brought his uh, he flew his beaver plane in here and actually landed in my field here at the house. 
and uh, he picked he picked my business partner and I up, and and we flew into his backcountry um, cabin in the backcountry of Idaho, literally in the middle of nowhere in Idaho. And, um, <clears throat> kind of similar, we hiked our, hike our butts off and we actually stayed on the mountain one night and, um, we ended up in some country, we were hunting new country and you know what that's like. Sometimes you can look out on, look at it on maps and then you get there and you find, you know, in this area in particular, it had all burned in 2014 and we just fought a ton mm-hmm. of, ton of blown over burnt trees and, you know, it kind of. It's too bad, actually, really, when we see a lot of the stuff going on with forest fires and logging and environmental stuff that we, it, it, I wish more people actually would, um, you know, get out and spend some time out in those trees and see what it's like and, and see after those burns, man, if we could harvest some of that stuff, because now it's just like matchsticks laying everywhere. And even the elk and deer, I mean, trying to get through that stuff's damn near impossible, you know, so... We kind yeah, of, well, we, that's kind of a, it was a battle, but we didn't end up with a bear either, you know? Yeah. Well, but you, you, I'll tell you, especially when you're out there with kids, it's good to uh, make them work for it. And yeah. then when, when someday when they do connect with an animal, whether it's a bear or a good deer or a good elk or any elk or deer for that matter, they've earned it, you know, right. it just didn't come easy. And it, it, there's, there's, I think it's that much more satisfaction. You've got to work at it, work at it. Then the joy of actually taking an animal would be that much greater. And that's what my boy last year, he was, he was 12 when he harvested his first bear. And it was that kind of what you explained on your hunt. He was a mile, mile and a half away across the canyon had to drop to the bottom and back to the top and find him again. And it was raining and wet and there was a lot of suffering involved. Um, but yeah. you know, it all actually, I think it was, you, you, you just get the feeling sometimes on these hunts after you see everything that happened, like it was meant to be that day. And, uh, yeah, that, that was just one of those, like mother nature decided it was Hank's time to get a bear, you know? Um, cause you could do that same hunt 20 more times in a row and never find that bear again, you know? And, uh, that bear just that, appeared for that, him. So that's the story of bear hunting. I think it's a lot of that is, of course you want to find good habitat. It's just being in the right place, at the right time as they're moving around. I'm, I know that the season in Montana ends on June 15th in most districts. So we've got, We've got one more weekend, Josh, out there, and then uh, it'll be on to thinking about coming into the fall here on uh, deer, yeah. elk, and antelope. Now, do you do you archery hunt at all, or do you just rifle hunt? You know, I don't. I would love to bow hunt. Uh, my son has done some bow hunting. I, we got him a bow here a few years ago, but I haven't gotten the time to do it. But I I dream about uh, uh, my getting out there doing it. My buddies that do bow hunt just talk all about it. But uh, I, I'm a rifle hunter. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's hard as busy as you are, if you, you know, committing time to practicing and just all everything that it takes to kind of be ready to go. And, um, maybe when you're done doing what you're doing, you can commit some, some time to doing that down the road, you know, but, uh, yeah, it's, you know, when we talk about all this hunting stuff, um, it's interesting when we're out there, so many people see, you know, kind of the animals online. And I wrote a little deal on my Instagram about how, you know, a lot of people tend to, I think that don't hunt, think it's just about the kill or the animal, but those of us, I mean, literally everybody I know that hunts, um, it's just so much about being in nature, being away from the cell phone, connecting, you know, seeing the animals, seeing, you know, the, you know, the springs coming out of the side of the mountain. And, um, you know, I, it's just too bad that we can't take more people with us that don't do it just to give them the experience you know, uh, to, to see what it's really like out there. 
Well, I remember, Josh, uh, when my grandpa Danes uh, passed away in Billings uh, several years ago, we went to the funeral. And at his funeral, uh, it was all pictures of hunting and fishing. My grandpa was just passionate about hunting and fishing in Montana. Mm-hmm. And all these pictures were uh, you know, displayed in the slideshow. And, and Josh, I was in most of them. Just all the memories. Yeah. And, and to tell you that really, that's something I took that to heart because my kids were still just at the, just the starting to get to be the hunting age, just starting to get them in hunter safety and begin our youngest, our oldest was just getting to be about 12 years old then. And it was a really good reminder to me that, you know, when it, when the dust all settles someday, you look back on your life, uh, you'll never regret the, the time you spent outdoors, the time you spend with your kids, with your wife, with friends. Uh, those are the memories that last. Yeah. And, uh, and that just really was drilled into my head that night. And I, and I told Cindy that night, I said, I said, sweetie, uh, I'm going to start taking the kids as we go through these years, taking a week off of work, and we're going to spend time hunting together. And in the summertime, we did the same thing with family backpacks. And, you know, those years go by so fast, Josh, those yeah. kids suddenly are in college. And next thing you know, they're too busy to, <laughs> to go back and hunt with dad and mom anymore. But you're, you'll never, never regret those years of spending time together outside. Yeah, my daughter, my oldest daughter, I have four kids as well, three girls and a boy, and my oldest is going to be a senior next year. And uh, we're we're taking off here next week to go to Zion Park and Bryce Canyon for a week and just hike. And, you know, it's honestly, it's kind of bad timing with my company and everything going on, but it's one of those deals where it's just, I've just had to, you know, say several times to several different things like, nope, we're going to be gone because you're right. I mean, quite honestly, this could be our last family trip we take with her because once she graduates next year, who knows what she's doing next summer or where she's going, you know, and, um, it is, it is incredible. And I still have young ones, you know, my youngest is, is 11, but, uh, yeah, it just goes so dang fast, but. Well, uh, it does, you know, and I, I tell you, Josh, the older you get to, the more you got to make sure you got your knees and your shoulders and you know, the physical capacity. Cause at some point that, that becomes a problem too. So it's good to do it as early as possible. Yeah. Now is, is elk hunting your favorite, uh, what, what's your favorite game to actually hunt? Boy, it just depends on what month it is. I, uh, <laughs> uh, I really, it, it's kind of, it's kind of like picking your favorite kid, right? Um, I, uh, I tell you, we have such great memories, antelope hunting in Montana, which is kind of the, if, if you're a rifle hunter, it's usually the first hunt because now if you're a bow hunter, it's going to be elk in September. But if you're a rifle hunter, typically it's going to be rifle in October. Yeah, and uh, and we have so many great memories, like twenty some years straight, where we go out to Eastern Montana and um, and hunt antelope as a family in that spot and stock that big wide open country that hasn't changed a lot in two hundred years. So just just love those time. Yeah, sometimes a little longer shot, and uh, so that that's been fun. And then I love hunting the mule deer rut. Who couldn't right in Montana? Yep, we're one of those unique states that allows rifle hunting during the mule deer rut when these big guys show up that. Like they haven't been around all season. Suddenly, where did he come from? Right, yeah. and he's there, and yeah. that's just a thrill. And then, yeah, I mean, elk you can't beat. Yeah, chasing elk. I, I, for me, later in the season when the snow gets a little heavier, you never know. It might like shake some of those big bachelor bulls back down a little lower. Here, you get a chance to, to take a good bull. That's so. I, I, I'm not sure I can pick a favorite, but uh, yeah. I, I kind of think of I think of October as the as my antelope month. Uh, Mid November mule deer rut, and in the very end of November, get that snow to bring those bigger bulls down. Sure. So speaking of the hunting and everything going on, where where do you think we're headed with the with the grizzly bear, uh, you know, stuff in the backcountry? I actually saw a headline the other day, and quite honestly, I didn't even read it because I think we've had a few times where they've tried to get the bears delisted, and then 
and then usually there's a judge in particular that kind of knocks it down. But um, do you think we're getting closer to having bears delisted? Because I, I think you, you've hunted enough around the Ovando area and the Bob Marshall and some of these areas, you know, down around Yellowstone. Like we all kind of know they're not endangered anymore. That's for sure. Um, yeah. Well, the science tells us that, Josh. I yeah. Mean, looking at the data um, for the greater Yellowstone ecosystem. And then we, we, we divide the grizzly bear habitat in Montana and the greater Yellowstone ecosystem. You got the Rocky mountain front there, and then you've got the Yak Kootenai, those three um, ecosystems. Hey, you, you look at the recovery target was, uh, was 500 bears um, by the most conservative measures by about 750, mostly with about 1,100 bears right now, grizzly bears. Mm-hmm. So it's time to delist the bear and to transfer the management of the species back to the state of Montana. Yeah. Uh, you think what we did with wolves back in 2011 when they delisted it, the, the feds told the state of Montana, said you can't have less than 150 wolves or, or we'll pull this thing back from you. Do you know what Montana did? They put a safety factor of two, two times 150. So 300 is our minimum number that we'll even think about. The current wolf populations in Montana are 1,100, and they're staying very stable. Yeah. So my point is that you know, we know how to manage predators. The state of Montana will do a great job managing grizzly bears, and we need to return the bear. Celebrate the recovery of the species. When I was a kid growing up in Montana, there were probably 100, 150 bears. Right. Uh, now now there's, it's, you know, in the greater Yellowstone, there's at least 750 to 1100. So the the problem you have, and you just identified it, is you've got some of these uh, activist environmental groups that will file lawsuits, and you got some judges that think that the bear shouldn't be delisted, even though the science says they should. So we got a battle on it, but we're getting closer, Josh. And and it's the right thing to do for the people of Montana. It's the right thing to do for the bears, too. Oh, yeah. No, it's actually, it's quite incredible with growing up in Lincoln and, and, um, you know, the amount of grizzly bears. And even when I was a kid, I, you know, there was definitely some bears around, but I knew fe- uh, several people, including the guy that taught me how to build knives, you know, was an outfitter in the Bob Marshall. And they would see bears occasionally back there, grizzly bears. Um, you know, I'd say each hunt they'd see one. Uh, where now, I mean, quite quite frankly, a lot of those outfits have gone away because of the lack of game. But, uh, you know, now they're seeing five and six bears a day at times, you know, and, and we're getting bears and we never had black bear or we never had grizzly bears like in garbage and stuff like that down around Lincoln when I grew up there, but now it's routine, you know, and, um, similar with the wolves. Yeah, I mean, well, like in, when I was yeah. in Idaho hunting, I think a big reason we didn't see any bears is quite, quite frankly. And I didn't see a single elk rub in 20 miles. I hiked over three days. Um, and we saw nothing, uh, but nothing but wolf shit everywhere. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, I think the predator, yeah. the predator issues actually be kind of be, becoming an issue. I know Idaho is working on trying to handle that with wolves, but I agree with you. The state of Montana does a really good job with game management. I think we got some really good people in there that, that want to do it the right way. Nobody, nobody wants to, you know, eliminate them. I mean, hell, grizzly bears are unbelievable to see, you know. Oh, they are. And, they, and they're not going anywhere. They'll be, they'll be fine. In fact, um, talking to some grizzly bear experts that, that, that I know well, uh, when they delist the bear and return the control back to the state of Montana, there'll be a hunting season. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first bears will be killed will be the big boars. Right. Well, guess what? When you kill some of the big boars, that will actually increase the populations because the, one of the greatest threats to those little cubs are actually uh, gore, boar grizzly bears. Right. Uh, they, they, they're, they're the predators on the cubs. And so you'll probably actually see higher levels of cub survival uh, when some of these big boars are killed initially. So you might actually see a bump in the population, not a decrease in them. 
but they're, they're, they're increasing rapidly. It's good to see it. I'm, I'm glad to see it, but I mean, when I was, I was black bear hunting, as you mentioned, Ovando, uh, last spring and, uh, it was getting late. We were riding horses out. We had about a half hour of daylight left. We were about a mile from the truck on public ground. And, uh, we saw a massive, massive board. In fact, one guy that was listening to the logger from that area in the city lake area. And, uh, he said he hadn't seen a board that size in a, ever. And, uh, my buddy, uh, from Butte saw the bear, jumped off the horse. I grabbed my rifle out of the scabbard, peeked around the corner, set up for the shot. Cause we, we just knew it was a bear. We didn't know what it was. I looked and you could see the huge hump and the silver streak on him. Yeah. And he was only about 125 yards away. And thankfully, you know, he went the other way, but I'll tell you, it's, uh, they're an amazing animal, uh, and uh, we need to preserve them, um, and we need to protect them. But it doesn't mean we have to uh, keep them federally listed as endangered species. It's time to return back to the state of Montana and allow Montana to manage them. Right. Yeah, and for anyone listening to that story, if you think Senator Danes is just full of beans i saw the pictures on his phone <laughs> i saw the pictures in <laughs> the son, video my, my, you you yeah, uh, yeah I was, you showed me that I, I was when busy we were setting up. yeah I, I, I was busy setting up flipping my my uh my scope cap up getting set up because i thought i had a big black bear i mean i didn't it was just to the trees initially so you don't know and uh and my son was holding the horses but uh uh, he gave the horses to our other buddy and, and, and Michael came around behind me and he's filming this. And I, I, I yelled at him and said, Michael, what are you doing? It's a grizzly bear. Yeah. So now I look back and I'm glad he filmed it. Cause now we can show people what we saw. <laughs> it's actually pretty funny. I, people were asking me, you know, uh, you know, about that, about that event when I met you there and Trump jr. And the whole nine yards and, uh, and, you know, I, I said, well, it's not quite like, you you know, you, you hear about the smoke filled rooms and the deals happening in Washington. And I said, <laughs> I said, ours, ours had, ours had bear pictures, hunting stories and knives. I'll lay it on the table. You know? Yeah. I, and probably some gun stories in between. Huh? Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I said, uh, my, it's kind of like when I grew up as a, you know, I was a kid learning how to make knives when I was 11 in Lincoln. And, uh, I was the only kid yeah. allowed to bring knives to school. And I had them, you know, I'd bring knives to school and show all my teachers what I was making and carry them around in my backpack. And once they got fairly big, then my principal was like, hey, if you bring knives to school, why don't you leave them in my office and then you can take them to a teacher here and there. But I, I think I might be the only one allowed to bring uh, the security, you know, allowing me to bring knives to a to a, a political <laughs> political function. Yeah. But. Yeah, you had some of your beautiful knives there with the son of the President of the United States and the Secret Service warning him Lincoln. I, I took Don Jr., we went out and did some wolf hunting together. I did, I've done an elk hunt with him too in Montana. But it was kind of funny talking to the Secret Service. You know, I said, uh, yeah, we've all got big rifles over our shoulders. We walk out and, and I said, you guys okay? He says, oh, yeah, you guys are fine. You guys can protect yourselves. He says, we walked off up the mountain. That was pretty funny. Secret Service got the, the afternoon off. Yeah. Yeah, they did. They were loving it too, being out in Montana. Yeah. Well, I sure appreciate your time. I know you're a busy guy and got to run, but, uh, you know, I look forward to seeing you again out here in Montana and, and it's, I just got to say for, you know, people listening and whatnot, like, like I say, it's, it's just really nice to know. I mean, congratulations one on being reelected last fall. It's well-deserved, but it, you know, people's politics are one thing. And, and, you know, what I've told a few people that maybe disagree with you on your side of the aisle or whatever, I, I said, one thing, one thing you can be sure of is, is that you're authentic and that you really do love Montana. And really, quite frankly, to a lot of us, your your love of the outdoors and and keeping, you know, the hunting traditions, the public lands, a lot of that stuff, is quite honestly what most of us are are really most worried about. A lot of the stuff around the world just seems so big and complicated. And quite honestly, it's just like, man, I hope 
hopefully, hopefully that shit all works itself out. But, but you yeah, know. you know, think about it. So, so much of DC is defined by whether you got a red jersey on or a blue jersey, and yeah, right. we fight hard for the things we believe in. But you know, when we're back home, we all be wearing hunter's orange, right? It's not whether it's red or blue. Uh, when you're out in the out of field, you're you're wearing hunter's orange. And uh, that's the way you got to think about it. And, and, and Josh, I got to tell you, I, I couldn't be proud of what you're doing there in Montana, the, the Montana Knife Company. I, I, I think the older I get, the more I appreciate great craftsmanship and quality. And, uh, and you're doing that, Josh. So I, I, I saw that when you showed me some of those knives there uh, last October in the Flathead. But congratulations on your success, too. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. And, uh, um, you know, mean, it means a lot. And, and, yeah, keep up the fight out there. Keep keep helping us out and keeping our public lands and uh, and uh, keep those business taxes low. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah, I know. Hopefully, you can so, keep some of that hard earned money yeah, you're trying to make right now. I got four so, kids yeah. to feed. Yeah, so <laughs> I know yeah. you do. You got to wait. You still got a lot of shells to buy. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks again, and and you know, and your All wife right. Cindy, by the way. I mean, she was amazing school, school teacher. You know, her and my wife, they were comparing teaching stories or talking about your your daughter being a school teacher and you know, yeah. uh, at, at that time it was what teachers were going through with the pandemic and everything. And it's, it's nice that we're kind of coming out on the other end of that now, but, um, just everything about you guys was so real and, and so Montana. And, uh, so I appreciate it. And thanks again for your time, Steve. Hey, thanks, Josh. Good to chat with you. All right. Thanks. Thanks.